Welcome to Myths. I'm Matt Hoss. And I'm Dan Rhodes. Whether you know about Theseus or you're revising your syllabus. If you want tales with a bit of jest or you just want to hear about incest. What? What? It's really interesting. Welcome to Myths. Welcome to Myths. Willkommen zu Mivs! Hallo! Ich bin Matt Hoss. Und dir? Dan Rhodes. Do you yeah. Do you just do your name in a German accent? Yeah. Uh, hallo! Uh, wie geht's? Gut, ja. You? <laughs> What the fuck is you in German? Uh, du? 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 <laughs> du. Uh, ich bin gut, ja. Ah, uh, oh, gut, ja. Ich fahre from uh, North Yorkshire. To London, to Wimbledon. Uh, this ah, is Wimbledon. This is the German episode. That's fantastic. Uh, ich habe ein Pony, <laughs> which is German for uh, I have a pony. Uh, although, a little fun joke. Yeah. Uh, me and my friends at school, when we were learning German, GCC level, A star. Actually, just A, I don't want to lie. Uh, we do, do this thing, because if you put the uh, participle at the end of a sentence, so it'd be like, Ich habe ein Pony, which is I have a pony. But then if you, at the end you put gegessen, which is I ate a pony. So a uh, little bit of fun for you there. Ah, German. Uh, oh, uh, any any German word, I know it. I'm a good translator. I've just decided now that for every single episode from now on, we're going to start in, in a different language. Can't wait for the Chinese one. Yeah. <laughs> How racist is that going to get fast? Actually, it would be quite funny though. If we like Google, <laughs> yeah, I think I think we might start losing listeners, and we can't afford to do that, Dan. <laughs> All right, what other languages can we do? Well, we'll so, let's let's start in. The, uh, sh- should we continue the rest of the episode in German, uh, or should we do? Well, I never learned German at school, so it's going to be very, very, very hard. <laughs> I know a bit, but not. All right, I, uh, I'll try to teach you some phrases. Okay, yeah, teach um, you some German phrases. Well, what, what's a good? What words do you want to know? And I'll teach you. I know how to ask for the time. Was ist die Seite? Yeah, or you, uh, in a, if you're like in the street and you need to ask a member of public. Was ist das? Entschuldigung, können Sie mir sagen, wie spät es ist? Whoa, that was posh. My, mine's just very, like, pigeon German, yeah. if you know what I mean. Mine's... Excuse me, could you please tell me what the time is? I think it actually means, excuse me, can you please tell me how late it is? But they use that phrase to mean yeah. the time, weirdos. Like, my, I like the German accent because it has, like, um, they, they mention this in Scrubs, but it's, like, two different kind of types. There's uh, a kind of the uh, kind of the masculine kind of ferocious one, like, Ich bin einer uh, kleiner Bimmel, uh, uh, which is, I have a small penis, uh, I just shouted. But you can also do the kind of the sweet milkmaid, like, oh, yeah, ich bin bitter schwirm. Uh, do you like those? I like those. Which one did sexy. you prefer? It's definitely the second one. Oh, uh, How many, we have listeners in Germany, by the way, so we've probably just alienated most of them. Well, <laughs> in all fairness, I think we have alienated both Germany and the Midlands. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, if you're from either Germany or Nottingham, Nottingham, um, uh, thank you for listening still. Um, but Dan, how the devil are you? Pretty good, Matt. Can't complain. A little bit warm, though. Oh. Toasty, eh? <laughs> You're very hot. Uh, uh, it's, it's very hot at the moment. Uh, we, we almost have to... Guys, we are ultimate professionals for this podcast, and we thought maybe you have a fan in the background for this one, but because me and Dan... Are Definitely both... professional. 
Above all else, we put our pride and professionalism into this podcast. There's not a single episode which isn't unprofessional. Uh, don't listen to episode eight, <laughs> the Wheat Rix Challenge, okay? Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, so we decided to not have a fan, so we're suffering for our art form today. You know, so if Dan and I are a little bit craggy uh, or a bit like grumpy. It's your fault. Mm. Yeah. At how- some point, if it gets too hot, I'm just going to have to go topless, and I will let the I'll let the listeners know. <gasps> Should we go tops know. off? Should we go tops off for the podcast right now? A, a missed podcast first, the first ever <laughs> half nude podcast. God, it's getting like again. I can see the homo ten- uh, the homo erotic tendency. I will later on if it gets hot. I will have to set my top off because ha- it is quite uh, toasty. Oh well, you got lots to look forward to, listeners. Um, also, uh, another thing is that, um, funnily enough, uh, this will be coming out uh, at the end of the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Uh, however, uh, due to the recording of these podcasts, we are... Yeah, because Matt's in Edinburgh, he's not going to be able to record podcasts. We're having to record some of them before, so we can put them out after. What a dick. Yeah, how dare I follow my dreams. <laughs> uh, uh, but so, so, I thought it would be quite funny, Dan... Um, why? Because it's coming out after the fringe. If I ask you how you think you did. Yeah, why, why don't we just, you know... Right, uh, man, how was Edinburgh? It was really good, thanks. I got... It was amazing, you know. Like, uh, every single um, Myths follower uh, just came up to me in the street and go, Oh my God, are you uh, are you Matt Hoss from Myths fame? Uh, and, you know, they, they parade me as a king in the streets, you know. I'm officially the king of Edinburgh now. Uh, and uh, I'm not sure if you... I'm the first ever person to get a six-star review. Uh Wow, that's impressive. I yeah. did read that actually in the um, in the Times. <laughs> uh, and what other, what 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 did the review say to me, Dan? It said, "Matt Hoffs of Myths Podcast Fame." I've got it right here, actually. <laughs> yeah, please, please do. Yeah, it says. Uh, here we go. In fact, let me just find the article. Russell, Russell, Russell of paper. It is made up, by the way. Ah, <laughs> uh, Matt Hoffs of Myths Podcast Fame. Um, was exhilarating. Oh, that's good, isn't it? Uh, exhilarating in his performance at the where Dan <laughs> at the the comedy venue where he was performing. <laughs> he was really. It says you were really good. Uh, you know what? It said you were. Uh, it said you insulted many of the listeners, but in a fun and jovial manner. What did I do to offend? One them? woman said, "Mahos." Oh, Matt Hoss is the comedian we've all been waiting for. Mary, age 58. <laughs> the when asked what other comedians she could list, she couldn't name any. So that's that's always good to know. The, the, there's a little, like, there was a lot in there, Dan, but the thing that I noticed there is that in this written review, it says you, you called the people who've watched my comedy performance listeners. Uh, so again, you're getting this wrong, Dan. You're getting this wrong. Um... But uh, well, no one's gonna want to look at you when you're doing your comedy, are they? <laughs> you went from being really nice and very sweet to being well. He's a beating up Nick Frost, isn't he? <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Thanks. Uh, you know, Matt, I'm just looking inside your rucksack on the floor here. Again, ever for the professional. How many pens have you got in there? Jesus Christ! Uh, I'm a creative soul, Dan. I've got to get ready for fringe somehow. Just, I- just from the angle I'm looking into your bag now, I can see. Six pens. Because, um, Dan, a masterpiece of my itself. How, how, how do you think I've got that exhilarating review? That's yeah. true, actually, yeah. yeah. Um, after Edinburgh, in the podcast, we're going to have to read out your reviews, by the way. That would be fucking hilarious. If you get any. I would literally cry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, well, what do you reckon a realistic review would be? If, if you... Realistic review would probably be that you are... Um, 
It'd probably be a three or four star. That's fine, yeah. It's fine. You're an amateur, Matt. It's okay. It's okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. It's I, okay. Consummate professional, Dan. It's okay. Semi-professional. Amazing. Let's agree on semi-professional. And, uh, no, yeah. no, I'm, no. <laughs> Dan, don't ruin... Uh, three or four star. Don't you dare ruin my reputation for the podcast. I need to present them really um, good. Your audience works very good. I know that for a fact. Well, thank I you. would say that your honesty and your um, incongruous comedy probably shone through. Probably a star, one to watch out for. Maybe, maybe Matt. Just saying, Bookie's favourite to win uh, best best newcomer. Uh, ha- however, unfortunately, like this is unprecedented in the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. However, someone who actually didn't go to Edinburgh Fringe actually won the award, and his name. Was Daniel Rose. Daniel Rose? God damn it, Dan! You steal my. On a scale of one to ten, how pissed off would you be if it turned out I was actually at Edinburgh when you were, and that I won an award? But I know you would do a hundred percent better than me, <laughs> just because you're a jammy little shit. Like, because I would go up there, actually write like a really. Like, I do one night as a joke. Yeah, and then you'll win like eight awards. I'm like, wow, this guy is amazing. Wow, like, but. You know, the thing that'll be worse is that you'll do the same stories as me and you'll get, like, just... I'm just going to steal your material. Yeah, and be like... People be like, pretty sure I heard that last night in that house gig, but Jesus, this was so much funnier. <laughs> that vegan thing really hit home when Dan did it. And it's, it's nice that you assume that everyone's going to see my show. <laughs> but, but, yeah, um, why don't you come see one of my other shows, uh, Not in Edinburgh. Dan, I'm actually doing the uh, Nottingham Comedy Festival. Are you? <laughs> if you're from Nottingham and you want to... For a tomato, is that me? Yeah, for a tomatoes and rip into Matt for his, quite frankly, uh, racist uh, Nottingham it's accent. It's not racist. It is when you do an accent wrong, Matt. If you did a Chinese accent wrong, <laughs> would that not be classed as racist? Yeah, that is. It would, wouldn't it? It is. It would. So why is it no different if you're trying to do a Nottingham accent and you do it wrong? Dan, do not press that... Do not press this issue with me, because um, I've got a lot of recordings of you in the Dangerous Dan files, which is... It doesn't doesn't make doesn't make you out as a good person. No, it doesn't. However, we uh, we have a cracking myth for you today, don't we? We do. Let's get into it now. Myths. Dan, welcome to uh, the myth. Oh, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, are you a guest on the podcast? I'm a guest, yeah. Should I interview you? Uh, yeah, thanks. So, Dan, what, what's your inspiration for... Uh, what, what, what? Have you always been into myths? Uh, always been into myths. When, when did you first listen to this podcast? I first listened to this podcast back in episode... Uh, actually, um, a lot of people don't know this, but I actually listened to the fir- uh, a bonus Amazons episode wow. before it came out. Um, well, how did you manage that? And I listened to the pilot also. Uh, well, I was, I was recording it. What? Wow, I didn't yeah. know that. So the first time, technically the first time I ever listened to the podcast was when I was I was actually the one doing the podcast. What? You've heard it here first, wow. people. Yeah. Actually, you didn't, but like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, it's, it's good to have you, Dan. Um, what's your favourite myth? My favourite myth is one that I've never actually read before, which is why I thought I'd read it today. <laughs> it's getting very meta, isn't it? Uh, and what's your favourite thing about the, the host and the creator of the podcast, Matt Haas? Co-creator of the podcast. And co-host. I think you, you missed the co off the both of those. I didn't. <laughs> in all fairness, I was trying to keep you in the joke. But, but you know, let's not call uh, a shovel a spade. No, he's alright. I think uh, six star. I heard that he, uh, he had the Times gave him a six star review. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, in this uh, podcast today, uh, you've actually brought one along for you. Uh, yeah. uh, which is, you know, unheard of on Matt Smith. Myths. 
but uh, yeah, what's it called then? It's called uh, Cupid and Psyche. Psyche. And uh, do you know much about these? Cupid, he makes people fall in love. Oh yeah. How's he Ooh, do that? Oh yeah. Shoots arrows at people and they fall in love. Yeah. Oh yeah. You pull the trigger of my love gun. What song is that? Love Gun by Kiss. <laughs> uh, and also, uh, another one I thought of is Shot through the heart and you're no to blame. blame. You, you give love, love a bad name. name. Da, da, da. That good. That's good, wasn't it? Yeah. Anyway. So, uh, yeah, what do you know about Cupid or Psyche? I actually don't know much about Psyche. I think Psyche is... Uh, I think it's a Roman myth, first of all. Yeah, so it's uh, using the Roman version of the gods, although I believe it is... Um, well, I think it's Ovid's Metamorphosis, I think. Uh, so it's yeah, a Roman iteration of things, but yeah, easily translatable into Greek uh, canon. Uh, yeah, I don't know much about Psyche, so I'm excited to hear this myth. Uh, uh, but obviously Cupid does pop up quite regularly in a lot of different Especially things. on the 14th of February. Wow. Pop up. Pop, pop up. Erection. Erection. <laughs> on Valentine's Day. Bonus. Ever celebrated, celebrated a Valentine's Day before, Matt? Oh, actually, uh, I, this, this, um, 2018 was the first time I actually got a gift for someone for Valentine's Day. Oh, that's cute. It was my brother's girlfriend, because uh, my brother forgot to get her a gift and asked me to get her a gift instead. Wow. <laughs> Alex Oss, an avid listener of Myths Podcast. I assume she listens to it too. Nope. Nope. Uh, <laughs> that's why I can slag her off. <laughs> no, Helen's very lovely. And anyway, uh, my brother did suggest that I get her uh, get his girlfriend a gift. He's like, oh, you have enough time on your plate. I was like, thanks, Alex. <laughs> thanks for that. And yes, I do. <laughs> What's the worst gift you can get for someone for Valentine's Day? Because I thought a pregnancy test would be quite bad. That would be quite bad. An or- abortion? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing says romance like killing a fetus. <laughs> and Dan, always practice safe sex and you can't get pregnant in the bum. You can't get pregnant in the bum. Let's start with the myth, Matt. <laughs> I, forget, I forgot what we were doing. <laughs> have you celebrated Valentine's Day, Dan? I don't know if I ever really have, no. Can we celebrate? Not with day? another person. It sounds like you just wank quite hard. <laughs> no, I mean, I just... I book out a restaurant, eat on my own. Do you book out the whole... Takes a real man to eat Valentine's Day dinner on his own in a restaurant. I think I've done that. Not... No, Not I... Not purposely. Maybe, I don't know. I can't... No, I think I'm... When I was travelling, I... Um, I ate in a restaurant on my own. And then was like, Jesus, there's a lot of couples here. And then I was like, it's 14th February. Oh my God. So yeah. actually did happen? Yeah, because I was travelling, so I didn't realise that it was that time of year. Oh, that's a, but then again, I think I don't know if you do stuff by yourself. I think it's, it's in Australia, 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 yeah, Australia. Which then? technically, I guess, was February the thirteenth here. Do 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 do. Let's do the myth. <laughs> Take it away, Dan. Once upon a time, there lived a king and queen who had three daughters. The elder two were lovely, but the young, <laughs> but the youngest, Psyche, was really beautiful and grew more and more beautiful as she grew. I, I, I for sure thought it was going to the other, the other two yeah, were lovely. That, Psyche that, was a that, real that bitch. S- that sentence was thrown us down a path. I, I thought that was for sure going to say the other two were lovely, but she was a whole bag. <laughs> People came from miles around to gaze at her beauty, and some said she was more beautiful than Venus, goddess of love, and even began to worship her as a goddess. The goddess beauty. Venus ain't gonna like that. I can that tell you that right now. Sacrilege, right Ooh, there. I can tell you that right now. And this is a bit like when um, gods 
particularly the females, they do not like people stealing their thunder. Pygmalion made that really hot oh, um, woman. Aphrodite was like, uh, not having one of that. No, no, she don't. Arachne was really good at weaving. Yeah. Again, Aphrodite was like, ain't having any of that. It's, a, it's essentially... Zeus so cheated on his wife, and his wife said, ain't having any of that. That's fair enough, though. Yeah, let, yeah. let her have that. Let her have that. But I, it's a sen- I like it because the gods assume that they are the best at everything. However, humans are quite regularly have the same skills as them, but they're like, well, well fuck you, no. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, however, Venus noticed what was happening and was not pleased at all. To stop people worshipping Psyche, Venus ordered her son, Cupid, to make Psyche fall in love with the ugliest thing he could find by shooting her with one of his arrows. I did not know Cupid was actually the son of Venus. Oh, yes. I didn't know that. Uh, Because we'll later find out in the Aeneid, Venus sends um, Cupid to do a lot of her bidding, so uh, she makes Dido fall in love with Aeneas by shooting. So that happens quite regularly as well. But, you know, uh, so Venus orders Cupid to um, find the ugliest thing she can... uh, uh, Make her fall in love with the ugliest thing, yeah. I didn't know you were in this meth, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> I'm psyche, you know this to be true. You know this to be true. You know what, Dan? I'm going to be serious here for a second. You are the most beautiful thing in this podcast. Thank you, Matt. I know. Wow. You're not going to send that love for a little bit No, back you're, my yeah, you're, you're lovely. You're lovely. Wow. Just like, just like psyche's wow. sisters. Wow. What? I, I just gave you a nice compliment. And you oh, you're probably one of the nicest people I know? Yeah, I guess. I guess. <laughs> oh, bitch, we're going to have an argument afterwards. And let's just carry... Because we're consummate professionals, I carry on despite our, our, our um, you know, distaste of each other. We're like the Beatles. Like, we've done, like, uh, all the wonder stuff. All, we're doing the golden stuff now. We just hate each other. Yeah. And one of us dies. <laughs> when Cupid found Psyche, she was crying softly. She did not want to be worshipped. She wanted people to stop gawking at her and actually speak to her. Cupid's heart melted. Psyche was beautiful, not just on the outside, but on the inside too. And this is actually sweet, because this is actually a genuine human response here. Uh, instead of the gods being dicks, Psyche's actually like, oh, I want someone to actually like me for who I am, not for my beauty. Which is sweet. That's really sweet. Cupid was so overcome that he pricked himself with the arrow intended for her. Cupid felt so completely in love with Psyche that he found that he could not shoot her with his arrows as his mother had told him. So, he left. So he, he pricked himself with his own arrows and falls in love with her. Um, I have to admit, though, it sounds... The way they worded it when it says he's so overcome, he pricked himself. It sounds like he was so, <laughs> so shocked. Like, oh, okay, oh, I stabbed myself. No wonder you have to leave so quickly. You have to change his gun. He's actually stabs himself with his arrow. Um, you would think that a person who had... Um, love-inducing arrows that he would be uh, he would be immune to that but if he was he actually can to come to his own arrows uh, he would you imagine that he would fall in love quite a lot if you know what I mean he would accident, oh shit I just print my finger oh god I've seen that ferret on the floor oh, I'm in love with you oh god as the years passed Psyche continued to grow more beautiful and people continued to worship her Cupid unseen by Psyche or anyone else kept visiting her hmm mm. Bit creepy. Sneaky. Psyche's sisters grew up and got married, but Cupid made sure that he did not shoot anyone with his arrows and caused them to fall in love with Psyche and ask her to marry them. Because you can only marry someone if you love them. Yeah, I, I suit that. 
The king and queen were very concerned that their daughter lacked suitors and was only happy when all alone in the garden. So they decided to ask the oracle of Apollo about their daughter's future. Now, if there's anything we've learned about oracles in myths, it's that they are always 100% right, but no one ever listens to them. Let's see if this is any different. The oracle tells them that Psyche is destined to marry a monster that no god or mortal can resist. See, Dan, you do come into it. I do come into it. They are to take her to the top of a mountain and leave her there for her husband to claim. So there's... Yeah, it seems that Psyche hasn't got quite a lovely life here. You know, she's she seems to be condemned by her beauty. That's a weird thing to say, by the way. Your daughter will marry a monster. In order for her to do this, you have to drag her up a mountain and leave her there. Ah, oh, there, this makes sense. You know, I bet oracles are just, like, high off their tits and just say anything. It's like, hmm, sage advice. <laughs> it's always a mountain. Always oracles. a mountain. Psyche's parents are very upset, but they obeyed the gods and led Psyche up the mountain and left her. So did Psyche have a, like, response to all this Probably as well? Probably not. Just like, oh, yeah, we're just going to go on holiday. You want to come up to a mountainside with us? Oh, yeah, we'll leave you there. Bye. Why don't you just walk down? She's her own adult. Psyche grows very frightened while she waits for the monster to claim her, but no monster shows up. Instead, Zephyr, the west wind, appeared and lifting her gently carried her away over the sea and set her down in a field of flowers outside a palace. So basically a hurricane's just come and completely, like, blown off the mountain. Blew her away. Swept her off her feet. Swept her off her feet. But no monsters come yet, like they said. Or maybe... Psyche sees a door in the palace wall and opens it to find the most beautiful garden inside. Loves a garden. Loves a bush, does Psyche. She gets up the courage to enter the palace itself, breaking and entering. But although she finds lots of rooms filled with beautiful furniture and treasures, there is no one at home. Hmm. Right, this is already getting quite weird quite fast, isn't Hmm. it? Uh, uh, So she's breaking and entering. Psyche sits down at the dining table and and is amazed when a meal appeals before her, served by invisible hands, and an unseen Mm. choir sings while she eats. That would put me off my food. Yeah. A bowl... (laughs) Appearing in front of me and an, and an, an invisible choir singing. When she is finished, voices tell her that the palace and everything that is in it are hers. Because everything there belongs to her new husband. What? Well, there's not been a ceremony yet, yes. so no one's, uh, no one's marrying anyone yet. And very creepy, uh, just to walk into somewhere and just be like, oh, this is all yours now. Uh, and, like, again, there's no consent here whatsoever. She's like, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah. That night, her husband came into her bedroom, but because it was dark, she could not see him, and he told her that she must never try to see what he looks like. Uh, Psyche listens to his kind voice and agrees. Do you know what I feel like this is a bit like? Hmm. It's a little bit like the beginning of Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. All the magical objects in the house, but she doesn't actually know who the uh, who the guy is. Yeah. Don't look at me, Bella. But it's... I don't know, it's very creepy. Very Imagine creepy. just like a... Go into a girl's bedroom at night, but I'm your husband. I'm just don't look at me. But uh, it's just bizarre, bizarre that she was on a mountain, terrified that her husband. Cupid's nowhere to be seen. It seems terrified that a monster because is going to come and claim her for her husband. She gets blown off into a field, and then now she's in a house, and she's just accepting that this is her husband. There's yeah. no ceremony or anything. It's not her husband, and she's just totally on board with all this. Yeah. Well. I go up the mountain. I uh, I go into this house. Uh, I agree to listen to this weird, concurrently voice. It's like she needs to know boundaries. Yeah. I think she needs. She got to own that stuff. However, when morning came, just before dawn, lighting the sky, her husband kissed her gently and left. 
bit weird. Bit of a dick move. She basically sleeps with them and goes, see you later, pal. <laughs> Every day, invisible servants magically clean her clothes and dress her hair and feed Psyche wonderful food. Every day, Psyche enjoys the garden, and every night, Psyche enjoys talking to her husband while lying next to him in the dark. But, without any other people around, Psyche starts to get lonely. Aww. So, essentially, she she's very much gone for the lights-off policy, but on a very hard basis, you know yeah. what I mean? At last, Psyche tells her husband how lonely she is during the day, and asks him whether her sisters can come to visit. Reluctantly, he agrees, and the next day, Sophia brings her sisters to the visit, so the wind just grabs her sisters as well. They are amazed at the wonders and riches of Psyche's palace, but before long, they start to ask about her husband and where he is. At first, Psyche says he spends the days hunting in the mountains. When they keep asking, she admits she has never actually seen him, whereupon they remember the prophecy and convince Psyche that she really ought to find out who or what she is married to, preferably with a knife in her hand at the time. <laughs> so they just basically been like, uh, you do remember that you were meant to marry a monster, so... Um, yeah. But, right. Like, bearing in mind her name's Psyche, um, and she she sees invisible things, she hears voices in her head, and she wanders around quite lonely quite at the time. Are you sure this isn't just a psychotic break? You know what I mean? It's, this definitely seems like psychosis. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, it's nice her sister's like... Oh, you know, maybe it's nice. It's rational, so it's like, kind of, oh, figure out who you're like sleeping with. Uh, but, but the bit which is like irrational, like have a knife in your hand, <laughs> get ready to kill. Well, because they think you know, get ready, it might yeah. be a vicious monster. Get yeah. ready. But I think a vicious monster wouldn't find like c- carry and collect your sister for your yeah, charge. That's you know true. What I mean? That's true. And haven't they questioned how they arrived there on the wind? Just like, oh, oh, where is this coming from? Yeah. That night, while her husband is asleep, and even though she is sure that she, uh, that he cannot really be a monster, Psyche takes out the lamp she had hidden beneath the bed. In the lamplight, she sees that her husband is none other than the god Cupid. It's Cupid ah. the whole time. He's not a monster. He's just in love with her. Maybe that is. Maybe the true monster is love. He is so handsome that she leans over to him to get a closer look, and as she does, she spills three drops of hot oil from the lamp on his shoulder. <laughs> mm. uh, Cupid wakes up with a scream and sees his wife looking at him. In sorrow, he tells her that by showing she cannot be trusted to keep her word, their marriage will have to end. Then he flies out the window. Hold on, honey. Whoa, First, wait, wait, wait look, a minute, wait a minute. Firstly, mate, no ceremony, not a marriage. Not a marriage, mate. Secondly, Secondly you kidnapped her, not a marriage. Second, uh, thirdly, there's got to be trust anyway. You can't just say, oh, well, you looked at me, so there's no trust. It, trust goes both ways, you know. You can't speak, don't look at me forever. Of course she's going to have questions. This is very unreliable. Yeah. And if you really... What kind of a marriage is that, either, as well? And also, why is she trying to hide it, as well? There's no reason to hide it. And if he really loved her, why wouldn't he want to spend time with her all the time? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's true. Psyche tries to prevent him flying away, but he flies away, saying she will never see him again. The palace disappears, and she is left alone. Despite this, Psyche decides that she will try to find Cupid to explain why she took the lamp and to beg his forgiveness. See, again, this is another example of kind of... We kind of like victim blaming here because she thinks that she's the one in the wrong, but she's she really isn't. Like, she's just, you know, she's just in the middle of all this mess, you know. 
The first place she tries is a temple, which belongs to Ceres, goddess of the harvest. But the temple is deserted and dusty, so Psyche cleans it. <laughs> Why not? She makes Ceres happy, so when Psyche asks for her help to find Cupid, Ceres tells Psyche to go to her own mother-in-law, the goddess Venus, and beg her forgiveness and ask for her help in persuading Cupid, a.k.a. Venus's son, to return. So there's a lot of family politics happening here. Because uh, Venus obviously doesn't like Psyche for being very hot. Um, Venus is not inclined to be kind because Cupid is suffering terribly from the burns from the oil Psyche spilled on him. But when Psyche falls on her knees before Venus's throne, she relents a little bit. Again, because he spilled a little bit of oil on a god's shoulder, bearing in mind God is immortal, oh, you, you, you scratched my son, so I'm not going to help you? Yeah. Yeah. So this is gods all over. This is gods... Um, mentality being kind of like because they are so um, egotistical that she has to beg for any kind of forgiveness Venus asks Psyche to prove her love for Cupid by completing a series of tasks this again uh, this is Jason the Argonauts and uh, Hercules all over again hey why don't you do some arbitrary tasks to prove something that you don't really believe in (laughs) Only then will she help uh, to be, uh, will Venus help uh, Psyche to become Cupid's wife again. But I don't know why Psyche is so desperate to be in love with Cupid. If you know what I mean, is it because he's just hot? Because he also deceived her as well. Like he gave her a lot of riches and stuff like that. Which you know I don't like. I don't know why she's in love with this person. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, so she she has to go through quite a lot for seemingly nothing. Okay, so there's a lot of tasks here. First. Venus wants Psyche to sort out all the grain in her granary into types by sunset. That is a boring wow, task. Wow, that's a boring task. <laughs> that, that is literally separating the wheat from the chaff. Joke. Psyche sets to work by separating the barley from the wheat from the rye, but by afternoon she has made little progress. Fortunately, Cupid sends some helpful ants to quickly sort, finish sorting the grain by sunset. Venus suspects Psyche has help, but says nothing. Right, so, hold on, one second. Psyche, so, Cupid, the person that Psyche trying to win back by doing these challenges, is helping her out. Why doesn't Cupid just go, hey, I forgive you, and she doesn't have to do all this? Why is he, there's a lot of middlemen here, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's sending ants to help her with a task. Why don't you just come and be like, hey, sorry about earlier. Or maybe just talk about their feelings. Yeah, because you know, he like, obviously likes the girl. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's like at Love Island. <laughs> it's exactly like Love yeah. Island. The next day, Venus tells Psyche to collect golden fleece <laughs> from the banks of the, of the sheep by the river. It's not the golden fleece. I just saw that set, that word and I was like, I'm going to have to. It is a golden fleece. It is a golden fleece Maybe from the sheep. Maybe it is a golden fleece. Psyche wades across, but as she emerges, the rams charge at her and she is forced to take refuge among the bulrushes. That's the word I'm looking for. There, the god Pan is cutting new reeds for his pipes. And when he hears her story, he decides to help her by playing music to put the rams to sleep. He loves putting things to sleep, doesn't he, Ram? Uh, That's how boring his music is. Yeah. <laughs> well, Pan, yeah. He's, uh, do you know much about Pan? Uh, he's got, he Was he not in Junior and the Rivals? Did he not yeah, come to, yeah, to yeah. put the thing to sleep? He, they always love to put stuff to sleep, don't yeah. they? Uh, so he plays... Uh, yeah, yeah, Pan's like kind of like a... He's like half... He features a lot of things of like to... Like a, like a 
amuse and he always like plays his pa- uh, pipes as well. Psyche thanks him and he begins to play. But even though the rams are asleep, she avoids them by gathering tufts of wool from the bushes they have been brushing against, not their backs. At sundown, Psyche presents the wool to Venus, which Venus grudgingly accepts. I feel like every time Venus is like, ah, oh, that doesn't really count, but fair enough. But she also needs help every time as well. Mm. Uh, she's... She's pretty useless. Yeah. Although, not at least she's doing a lot better than Jason. Because Jason was like, oh, I'll just get all my friends to do all the jobs, you know? He's like, his entourage did heavy lifting. You know? At least she's giving it a go. Anyway, uh, then, Psyche uh, has to go to the underworld and bring back some of Prospina's beauty. Psyche is beside herself. The only way she knows to get to the underworld is to die. But if she dies, she will never see Cupid again. But, as things are, she will never see him again anyway. So, Psyche resolves to throw herself off the mountain in order to undertake Venus's task. And to have a hope of regaining her husband. Okay, you know how earlier I said psychotic break? That is definitely psychotic thinking, yeah, isn't is. it? Hmm, what's the only way I can get to the underworld? Hey, Theseus, Odysseus, you guys have been down there. You And come back alive. Um, now, nah, for, forget about that. I'll just kill myself yeah. you know I, mean? I was going to say a few people have done it before yeah, just like she she seems very yeah I don't know just, she seems very hot and cold this lady you know she, she super loves her husband but then all of a sudden she uh, she's willing to die for him and then like I, I, I don't know it just seems a bit like counterintuitive to yeah. kill yourself yeah. right, in order would you ever kill yourself for, for love Dan? no because stupid isn't it then you're dead yeah, but like, well, if you really love someone, would you ever kill you? Would you ever like take a bullet from me, Dan? Maybe, yeah. What? What? Providing it wasn't gonna kill me. <laughs> no, it'd have to definitely kill you. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I would actually, Matt. I would. Would you actually? I think I would. What if I was the one shooting you? But so I would take a bullet for you, but you're shooting me. Basically, I'm trying to murder you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she goes to kill herself. Just before she does, she hears Cupid's voice in her ear. He tells her about a cave that leads down to the underworld, how to convince Charon the ferryman to take her there and back, and how to avoid the three-headed guard dog Cerberus. We've come across uh, Charon and Cerberus quite a bit now. Hey, how's it going? You want to come on my ferry? Yeah, Yeah. get on the boat, love it. Yeah. You got the coins? Yeah. Give me the two orbals, all right? Uh, And do you know who else is down in the underworld? Brian Brian the the Eagle. Eagle. Come on. How's it going? You shouldn't kill yourself. (laughs) But, like, so, the only reason she didn't kill us, literally, she was about to kill herself, and Cooper's like, oh, whoa, 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 don't do that, there's a cave right there. Also, did, it has a sign, underwater. Yeah. Um, also, your impression of Brian the Eagle was, was wrong then. Oh, sorry, please, sorry. I Correct. thought Brian talked like that. No, did he? I thought he did. I thought it was like, hey. Mate. Hey, Prometheus. Oh, maybe. Well, you know, Brian evolves all the time. Okay, that's true. Uh, He's getting angsty now. Well, you know, uh, yeah, maybe I got like the young version of him. Uh, <laughs> maybe, how's he sound again? Hey, man. Hey. Wasn't he like, hey, Prometheus, gonna eat your liver? Yeah. I don't know. Or was I, he like Yorkshire? I feel like he no, was. No, I like don't that. think he was Yorkshire. Oh, was he not? Yeah. I, I mean, Narcissus was Yorkshire. But yeah, I thought the. I'm a little monitor. He told like that. No, that's my talk. Yeah, that's what I mean. So, a... so it can't be. I was doing that impression. So I don't know what uh, Brian. I, I forgot what Brian the Eagle sounds like, Matt. We haven't done him in a long time. If you know what Brian the Eagle sounds like, please email us. <laughs> can't remember my own impression. 
Following Cooper's advice, Psyche reaches Pluto's palace in the underworld and gains an audience with Pluto and Prospina. So I think... Um, who she's got to steal beauty off of. So just to clarify, uh, I think the Roman version. So Pluto is uh, Hades uh, and Prospina, Pros- Proserpina is uh, Persephone, as, oh, okay. uh, which we know from episode 24. We do. Psyche explains that Venus has sent her for a little of Prospina's beauty. Once Prospina finds out why Psyche is running Venus's errands, she smiles and gladly gives Psyche a box. Um, quick question. How do you collect someone's beauty? In a box, clearly. Do you not just read that? <laughs> but what do you do? Do you, in a, do you get the box close to someone's face and just <laughs> yeah. snap it shut? Do you want to hear... This might not go on the podcast, but do you want to hear a little uh, Matt Hoff story? Go on. Oh, this is digging deep. Uh, so, when I was... Let's say... BB before virginity. Okay. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> 2017. <laughs> 2018. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so uh, I thought when I was a teenager, like really early teenager, I didn't know much about sex or anything like that, but I, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I thought what I'd do was like when I would have sex with someone, I thought like the thing you would do is like you would. I would collect virginities and put them in jars and keep them in like shelves on my wall in front of my family homes. Like so, in my I would have a shelf for the empty jars which I would be full of virginities. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, like, did you you have that for? Because like, is that a that's the creepiest thing I've ever heard. It's you weird. Collect isn't it? virginities no, like, in like, like, I I'm just taking your virginity. Yeah, but not like that. But just it's like oh, these are all the the, essence, the essences of people I've slept with. Like just like little mementos. If you know what I mean, like that is weird, isn't it? That's not okay. This is like that is weird. Yeah, it's like eleven year old Matt Hoss. Uh, so like there's a certain innocence there. Because like, how would you? The point being, how would you capture a virginity? If you know what I mean, like, like it's like not a pokeball, is it? You well, know? you'd put the hymen then brain in there, I guess. Which we do need to discuss. On next week's episode, because we have a we got the the funniest email ever. Uh, uh, but yeah, so that that's not weird, is it, Dan? It's very weird, Matt. Yeah, it's right. You can't collect. I don't think you're appreciating what, how weird that you just told me that is. The way I you thought would it's... sleep with women and then collect their virginities in jars that but, you would put in your home. I think the weird thing is that's is... the weirdest fucking thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Listen to yourself. <laughs> right. It is like, it is awful. And I, I obviously don't stand by that today. Although you should see my jar collection. Uh, but like, I thought the way I thought I'd do it is like, I put my, like, this definitely won't go on the podcast, but like, yeah, the way I thought about doing it is like, uh, you, you get the empty jar, put, put your penis in the jar, and kind of slowly just close the lid off it, and you keep it in, they tightly screw it up, and uh, you put labels on. And the way in my head, this is the worst part, you would show people around, be like, look at this, this is cut from 2018. Uh, just like, why would you show people that? It's just, um, that was too honest. Uh, right, honestly, Dan, be, be frank here. When hearing that story, were you like, hmm, that does sound like a Matt Hoss thing? Or is that, is, is that too weird? Too weird. It's gone past being a Matt Hoss thing. Really? That's, yeah, thank I you. Yeah, that's Matt Hoss In all fairness, it wasn't like a major thing. Times like, two. It was, it was like a th- thing I had in my head for a week. That was it. But like, I did have that. In my head, you've got like Egyptian, um, what are they called, jars? Yeah, it's kind of like that. If you yeah, know yeah, all the yeah. organs in. Yeah. But Hyman's. <laughs> a piece of plastic. <laughs> <laughs> On the return journey, so I keep, uh, so, Psyche has been given a box. Sorry, I got, I got confused. Yeah. On the return journey, Psyche wonders that what the beauty of an immortal goddess looks like and whether Venus would think her a worthy wife for Cupid if she had that kind of beauty herself. I thought the whole point was she did have that kind of beauty. Yeah. Or is she just the hottest, like, mortal person? 
I don't know. She well, she she must be hotter than Venus because Venus gets jealous, right? Yeah. With these thoughts buzzing around in her head, Psyche sits down to rest, and before she knows it, she has opened the box to take a peek. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. What do you think it's gonna look like? <laughs> Just a dick pic. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, maybe it's a, p- a picture of uh, um, Pamela Anderson or something like that. I don't know. Like, it's, but this is very eerie of a uh, Pandora's box. You know what I mean? Never look inside a box, Dan. No, never look inside a box. Or a jar. Or a jar. In that case, <laughs> you don't know what's yeah. inside it. Anyway, so what's inside the box, Matt? Unfortunately, the beauty of Prospina is timeless and unchanging. So as soon as Psyche opened the box, she fell into a deep sleep, which, from the cold of night, the hooting of owls, and even the dawn chorus could not wake her. As the day wore on, still, Psyche slept, and she slept and dreamt of Cupid. Okay, interesting. It makes her fall asleep. So... Actually, what I've noticed with this is actually this is like the most fairy tale thing we've had because that is very similar to Sleeping Beauty it and is. Uh, and the fact of uh, that we had Beauty and the Beast earlier. So this is very fair. This is like a proto fairy tale. Yeah, her dream was so vivid that Cupid felt it and, having recovered from his burns, <laughs> flew instantly to Psyche's side. Oh my god! But nothing he did—not shaking her, not calling her name, not even kissing her—could wake her. Right. Firstly. Uh, like he's a god, and he she, just felt her dreams. She's been doing these tasks for a while, and uh, he's like, "Oh, now I'm recovered from a little bit of a burn." You know what I mean? Let's just get over it, mate. Secondly, <laughs> he thinks, "Oh, this woman's sleeping. How do I wake her? Shake her? Call her name? Kiss her?" He hasn't tried that many options. If you know what I mean, yeah. throw water over her. Finally, he succeeded in waking her by pricking her with one of his arrows. Being pricked by Cupid's arrow woke Psyche, but did not make her fall in love with Cupid. The first person she saw when she woke. Because she was already in love with him, as her actions and her dream had already shown him. Hmm. So I read that better. That was nice. But then again, it's still, it still it's an odd sentence, because it's like, oh, I didn't fall in love with him, because she was already in love with, with him. him. Yeah, it's saying that the arrow didn't make her, isn't yeah. what made her fall in love, because she already was. Cupid and Psyche are delighted to see each other and to be reunited. Oh. Psyche explains... Uh, she fears Venus uh, won't allow her to be with him because she has not completed her tasks and can't do so because the beauty of Prospina must have escaped from the box when she opened it while she was asleep. Cupid tells Psyche not to worry but to trust him and to take the box back to Venus while he goes to speak to Jupiter, king of the gods. Cupid flies off to persuade Jupiter to help him and Psyche to be together forever. Then returns to Venus's palace just in time to join Psyche at the gates. Can I just say, in all of these like Greek or Roman, Jupiter and Zeus, obviously same guy. Yeah. Uh, just as mostly admin, doesn't he? And like messing around. And messing around with women. Yeah. Cupid and Psyche give the box to Venus and wait. Hopefully, Venus accepts it and asks Psyche, "Did you open the box?" Psyche considers lying, but knowing that Venus will open the box herself, tells her that she did peep inside. Venus expresses surprise that Psyche is alive and awake, and Cupid steps forward and explains what happened and why he woke Psyche. To their surprise, Venus smiles and declares Psyche to have passed her tests and gives her blessing to the marriage of her son Cupid to the kind, determined, hard-working, modest, truthful, and constant Psyche. Wait, hold on. So now they're actually getting married. Yeah, that's what I say. Yeah. yeah. So she wasn't on board before, but now, yeah, this is a. Odd one. 
Cupid carries Psyche to Mount Olympus, home of the gods, for their wedding feast, at which Jupiter has Psyche served with nectar and ambrosia, the food of the gods, which turn her into an immortal goddess, the goddess Psyche. Cupid and Psyche lived happily ever after in a palace full of people. Even Psyche's sisters were forgiven and invited to a visit that stood in the midst of a beautiful garden, and in due course they had a beautiful daughter, whom they called Vol- uh, Voluptus, which means pleasure. But that's a bit weird if you name your daughter Pleasure. Hmm. It's, it's, like, it's like, yeah, it's like naming a charity or yeah. uh, something. And that is how beautiful mortal girl Psyche became an immortal winged goddess. Well, she got wings too! Yeah, well, that happened? Yeah. <laughs> um, Became an immortal winged goddess and fulfilled the prophecy that she would marry a monster who no god or mortal can resist. But only because both Cupid and Psyche were capable of looking beyond surface appearances to see the truth beneath the end. Um, how was he a monster? I don't know, because he kidnapped her, I guess. But he's not a monster. That's the only thing I'm confused by in this myth. Yeah. He wasn't a monster, so in order yeah. they kept using the word monster. Because he, he hasn't fulfilled the prophecy, because not once has he been a monster. He's been trying to be the nice guy. But then again, he did... It was very arbitrary in the way he did treat her. So maybe... Maybe he was slightly misogynistic, but then again, he was quite helpful. I don't know. I, I think monster is a strong word. For maybe him. it's the fact that they thought it was gonna, he was a monster, because... Yeah. He kidnapped her and stuff. I also really like how, uh, like, like uh, his uh, the sisters still come to visit, but they're still not allowed in Mount Olympus, so they have to stay at the gates, just uh, so, like, a base camp, you know what I mean? Anyway, should we go into the ranking, then? Yes. Time to rank some myths. So, uh, we have life skills, uh, we have uh, morals, we have creativity, and a WTF factor. Mark them each out of 10 for a total of 40. Dan, take it away. Life skills, creativity, morals, WTF. Life skills, what have we learned? What have we learned in this myth, Matt? Uh, we have learned how to shoot an arrow. How to shoot an arrow. How to fall in love with someone. How to fall in love with someone. How to incorrectly do a prophecy. How to incorrectly do a prophecy. How to be hot. How to be hot. How to be carried away by the wind. How to be carried away by the wind. Uh, how to clean dishes. How, get a servant. How to get invisible servants. Well, how, how to, to go to the underworld. <laughs> by killing yourself. How to get beauty in a box. Uh, how to fall to sleep. How to fall asleep. How to, to wake someone up from sleep. Uh, yes, good point. How to burn someone? How to burn someone? How to uh, how to pretend to be a sly lover, be be uh, yeah. hidden? You know? Yeah. He, how to count wheat and rice? <laughs> how to send ants to do your duty? How to send ants to do your duty? Uh, how to uh, stop sheep? Yes. Uh, how how to get the wool? Yeah. How to make a pipe? He was making pipes. Remember in the week? Yes. Yes. I like it. It's quite quite full, isn't it? Uh, um, what other bits and bobs have we learned? Um, we've. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe that's probably it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's quite high, though. Yeah, I think it's pretty decent. Well, what do you think? I think a seven. Ah, I took words right out of my mouth. I think seven's pretty decent. Boom, it's going in. Yeah. Lock, that's locked in. Morals, Matt. Morals. What have we learned morally? What kind of messages are there in this? Um, don't assume marriage just because you blew a girl to your palace. Don't assume marriage, yeah. Uh, get your mum... Uh, mum's blessing before you marry someone get your mum's blessing before you marry someone uh, don't set arbitrary tasks to prove someone that you have to love them if you know what I mean yeah uh, just because an oracle tells you to doesn't mean you have to send your daughter to the top of a mountain to get yes. attacked by a monster you don't always have to believe in uh, prophecies um, marriages are never going to work if you don't look at each other 
well, communicate us. your feelings. That's the yes, biggest moral here. Yeah, yeah. Because Cupid wanted to express certain feelings, and Psyche wanted to express certain feelings, and deep down Venus wanted to kind of express her feelings about the situation, and none of them really did, and it all got a bit. And also, yeah, on top of that, it's um, it also teaches us not to be superficial as well, because Psyche teaches us to... Uh, That's probably the bigger message. Yeah. And uh, also, um, from a mental health point of view, be willing to chat about your problems, you be know? And be there, because their sisters were there to try and yeah. help. Uh, although, that, they didn't really help. They were like, hey, you're obviously suffering some mental problems. Have a knife! Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think uh, it's quite decent morals. Uh, Don't be so soon to kick... Don't be so soon to kill yourself, because things will always work out. Uh, yes, um, we learnt uh, that you uh, should never really keep any form of beauty slash virginity in a box slash jar. Because, um, oh my god, Dan. Dan. You know in episode 13, where uh, we had the king, yeah. uh, uh, He, we, who we affectionately called Jar Jar, uh, Jar, Jar King? Yeah. Uh, do you reckon it's the same jar I used? Ah, maybe the one that goes in the jar. Maybe. Who knows? I think it's the weirdest thing I said on yeah. this, isn't it? So I think overall, then, I think maybe a six or a seven. I was going to say six. Yeah. Lock that in, number six. All right, creativity. Again, I think this is quite a big one because it's like a prototype myth, uh, prototype fairy tale. Uh, I think there's a lot of different themes happening through here in terms of um, the way that uh, it ebbs and flows on who loves the other one more, if you know what yeah. I mean. Yeah. Uh, they're quite erratic lovers, uh, so a lot of different things happen in a lot of different times. And there's a proper narrative here, and it's intricate, I believe. What do you believe? I believe... I think it's creative, yeah. I think there's a lot going on here. There's a lot of interplay between relationships. There's the tasks are quite creative. Yeah, yes. Well, actually, the whole palace, invisible, the pearl being carried by the wind. It's all pretty creative, Matt. So we have a mixture of gods... Uh, Mortals, uh, oracles, tasks. Um, so it's, I think this is like a uh, a love story as well. Um, yes. A mixture of the fantastical and real human yeah. nature as well. I think maybe like a six or a seven. What do you reckon? I'd be, not, I'd be happy this, with a seven. It's not out of this world though. Is I think it? a seven because I actually has a story point of view. I quite enjoyed that actually from a narrate from a narrative point of view. Is it six or seven now? I, I think it's a seven. Okay, fine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's a nice, you know what I mean? There's a nice yeah, yeah. narrative to it. There's yeah. nice characters. Gotcha. WTF. Um, marrying her without her consent. Yeah, a bit weird. Uh, falling in love with her. What? Yeah, I don't know. The fact that he fell in love with her in the first place is a bit messed up. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. He's like, oh, well, I guess I'll try and... And he stopped all the other suitors from going to her as well. So yeah. he kind of didn't get a chance to get her to fall in love with anyone else. Yeah. It's actually a bit like Stockholm Syndrome. It is, yeah, it? I was thinking that. It is a bit. Uh, the fact that Venus is jealous of her. Yeah. The fact that Je- uh, Venus won't allow anything to happen. Um, the fact that she wanted to kill herself in order to prove her love. Yeah. Uh, the fact that she... You burn her with a candle. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's out of this world. Maybe like a four or a five. Yeah, four, I think a four maybe. It was more of a just a normal story, wasn't it? Than that, yeah. there wasn't really anything particularly WTF. But, again, but ultimately, her average. the whole monster thing is quite weird, though. I think yeah. that's important. To, there's quite a strong weight in with that. Yeah, she lived yeah. in an invisible palace with like yeah, it's creepy. A it's creepy like... monster, or what? What she thought was a creepy monster, and he like kissed her and stuff. Yeah, 
I think maybe five or a six. I think a five, maybe a five. Five? Yeah. So then, add that, add that up. We have a seven and a six and a seven and a five. What's it give us? Twenty-five. Yeah. Twenty-five. Oh, right in the, not right in the middle, but it's a, uh, I think that's pretty, that's a, that's an adequate myth. I think. Yes, it is. It was very entertaining. I enjoyed this one. It was a good one. It was a good one. It was a good one. So, Dan, um, uh, if you did, you really enjoy this myth. I did really enjoy that. It was a nice. Did night. you really enjoy this myth? Yes, I did. Well, why don't you uh, email in at misspodcast at gmail.com to tell us how much you liked it? I will do. Yeah, it'll be a bit of a waste of time, but I will do. <laughs> don't say that. We're trying to encourage. Well, it'd be a bit weird if I met, emailed myself. Well, you probably emailed me because you probably emailed yeah, you. Yeah. I don't listen to the emails. Um, I don't read the emails. But I. Do I don't watch th- the emails. Whatever you do to an email. We both really care about your emails. We both uh, watch them. Uh, we both read your emails, and we really appreciate your correspondence as well. Yes. And in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be reading out your correspondence as well. Uh, some some really really funny stuff. Uh, you guys are very funny. So uh, do get in touch with us uh, at mythpodcast@gmail.com. Uh, if you just want to tell us how great we are, um, maybe you want to give me a six-star review as well. Why don't you tweet us at mythpodcasts on Twitter and Facebook? Give us a like and a follow. And if you really, really like us, why don't you give us a six-star review as well? Perfect. On, on iTunes. Or ACAST or your podcast provider. Now, Dan, is there anything else you want to say before we go? No, just uh, thank, you for, thank you for having me. Thank you for... Even <laughs> yes. though we're in my house. Uh, yeah, thank you for coming on my podcast, Matt Smith's. And uh, I, I'm, I've been your host and... Uh, uh, I was going to say compa, but like... Yeah. Uh, uh, so, Who's your special guest next week? Uh, it's... Well, funnily enough, it's actually... Um, my guest next week is uh, actually Barack Obama. Barack so, Obama, wow, pretty. Well, I mean, don't any racist d- if I do a Barack Obama impression. You definitely, okay. please don't ever. No. <laughs> so, um, well, actually, Dan, you know, I, I don't mind you. Do you want to come on the next episode? Oh, fine, I'll come on the next one too. Oh, brilliant. Well, uh, well, guys, I guess we'll see you on the next episode. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you. Bye. I hope you find your laugh like you did and like you did. I don't. Bye. Miffs, 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 miffs.